I have a request as we begin the sermon today, because the title is, So You Want to Get Married. So I would like to invite anyone in the audience who has been married less than two years, would you stand? Less than two. Anybody? Less than, all right, congratulations, you're the newest. Congrats, perfect. Now here's the harder part. We're gonna go the other end of the spectrum. I know we've got a couple of folks in here that have been married for more than 20 years. Some of you got the joke. Is there anyone in here who's been married more than 50 years? Would you do me the honor of standing? More than 50 years. Look at this, check this out. No, 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 don't sit down. No, 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 don't, don't, don't sit down. We're gonna, have a, we're gonna have a little raffle here. Anyone over 55, stay standing. Over 60, stay standing. How many years have you guys been married? 67. 67 next month. Thank you. So, very briefly, what's the secret? Christ. Christ. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. 67 years. I don't, I don't recall where you're originally from, but okay. I, was, I, I knew it was somewhere back in the Midwest somewhere. Um, I don't know what the laws were back then, but I'm guessing you married your wife when she was nine. <laughs> I'm teasing. She was only, I don't know how old she was. It's exciting to have, she was 18. Better be careful. People can do math in this church. They'll figure out how old she is, and then we're both in trouble. <laughs> you don't want to do that. All right, we're thrilled to have somebody in our church 67 years. Before, before we came back to the church here in Mission Valley, Lynn and I were in Texas. I worked for a company there, and I was a national sales trainer. And I had almost 400 men and women come through my class in a two-year period of time. And out of all of the people that ever came through my class... No one had ever been married longer than Lynn and I had been married. Come June, we'll be 40 years we've been married. That's pretty cool in our world. Yeah, and I'm from Alabama. That don't ever happen in Alabama. It is amazing when you think about marriage and longevity of marriage. But I want you to realize that 67 years or 50 years for those, those are numbers that we don't see often in our world anymore. Have you noticed? We just don't. Now, now, here's another question, and I don't want anyone to raise their hand or stand up and say, yeah, that was me. But I'm guessing, I'm guessing that there's no one that you've ever known in your whole life who ever got married and said, you know what, I'm going to get married so that in nine years into my marriage, I can get divorced. You know what I'm saying? Nobody ever plans on that. Nobody plans to get divorced. Nobody plans to have problems in their marriage. That's just not who we are. When we get married, we think it's the best thing in the whole wide world, and it's going to last forever. As a matter of fact, most of us, when we stood before somebody and said marriage vows, we said, until death do us part. Interesting, isn't it? And, and then there's this thing that I've, I've heard a lot of people say, and, and a matter of fact, I heard it just yesterday because John Reed made a statement, something to the effect that and even in the churches today, there's many people who have who are in their second marriage or whatever, or not with their first marriage anymore, as there are in the world. The percentages are the same or higher as they are in the rest of the world. And I'm thinking, and why would that be any different than the world? I, I thought we're all people. You, you get what I'm saying? 
Now, none of us plan to do that kind of stuff. I mean, come on, let's get real about it. We don't plan to do that. But the reality is, I'm not any different than the Joe schmuck that lives next door to me on his boat. I'm not any different. Now, I choose to do some things differently because I'm a believer, but dude, I'm a person, I'm a guy. And I have the same frailties and warts and everything else that every other guy's ever had. I'm not any different. Ask her. <laughs> 40 years putting up with me. She can tell you where they're at. She knows those things. I want to spend a few minutes with you in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 7. This is that wonderful chapter that Paul writes where he says some great things. And the reality is, this could be a really short sermon. Because here's what Paul says right up front. For this reason a man will leave his, or this is what God said in the beginning. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they'll become one flesh. That was in the beginning, Genesis. That's what God laid out. Remember Adam and Eve? Remember those two? And then along comes Paul. Not for the matters he wrote about, it's good for man not to marry. It's the end of the sermon. That's it. Nothing else to be said. Paul summed it up in less than a sentence. It's good for a man not to marry. Seriously? That is not what he meant. That is not what he meant. If you really look at the text, he's really saying, hey, it's good for a man not to just go around sleeping with anything and everybody. That's what he really meant. That's 21st, paraf 21st century paraphrase, but that's what he really meant when he was talking, what he was talking about. Look, we have a, I have a fellow elder. His name is... Ken DeBose, he taught a class some months ago in the auditorium here, and he made a statement about men. And Ken, I'm going to quote you, I think, exactly. He said, in the minds of men, it's all about this, sex. And the second thing is about sex, and the third thing is about sex. And that's a pretty close <laughs> quote of what he said to the men in that class that day. Now, women, it's different. It's not about that necessarily. It's about touching and talking and feeling and all those things that I don't understand, even after 40 years. I don't, I don't get it. And Lynn reminds me of that occasionally. She's like, do you not remember us talking about this? Guys are different, man. There's a book written a few years ago. Men are from what, Mars? Women are from Venus? I've never been to Mars. I don't even know where Venus is. They're out there in the solar system somewhere. But apparently, it's different. And we are different people. Men are different than women. God, thank you. It's great. But Paul, in this letter in the book of Corinthians, lays out some stuff that just blows my mind. I'm just going to be honest with you. It blows my mind. I'm amazed at what he says in this book. And I'm amazed for a few reasons. And I'll share some of those with you here. One of the next things that he says is, since there's so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. And if you ever want to know anything about our world today, right here it is. If there's a verse of scripture in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians that you might want to take home and put on your bulletin board and remind yourself how you and I ought to live and the rest of the world would be nice if we lived is simply this. There's so much immorality in the world it would be great if we all had our own husbands and wives. Guys, you, we just cannot get away from the, from the bombardment of the media in our world that puts so much pressure on us all to be like the rest of the world and it, it seems like there are no boundaries anymore. There just aren't any boundaries. I, I, don't, I don't read a lot of articles like that, but I was looking at a website the other day. It's a news website. And, you know, sometimes on a news website, some stupid video pops up. Does that happen on your computer sometimes? I don't know how to stop that. If I did, probably I just need to turn off the computer. But this video popped up. And this gal had gotten married, 
and she invited her ex-husband to go on the honeymoon with them. And I'm like, wait a minute. That just doesn't seem right. It just seems so wrong that she would have done that. And I'm like, what kind of world are we living in? And, and that's not the half of it. All of us could tell story after story after story of crazy stuff that we know that goes on in this world that we live in. Paul's recommendation, look, you need to be married. You need to have a spouse. You just need to have that person. I was gone Monday through Friday this past week. I left Monday morning about 11 o'clock from a meeting here at the church. I went to the Bay Area. I got home at 5.30 on Friday. And you know what? Friday afternoon was a very wonderful afternoon for me and Lynn. Because we'd been apart for a while. And we hung out and it was nice and it was enjoyable. I reintroduced myself. I said, hi, my name is Ed. Because she forgets who I am sometimes because I'm gone so much. But Paul says this too. He says this to spouses. Look, if you've been apart for a while, and sometimes you're going to be apart for a while, don't stay apart too long because Satan can come and he can mess you all up. Come together so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this is a concession, not a command. I wish that all men were as I am. Paul wasn't married. Anybody ever wonder why in the traditional Catholic church there's a priesthood and why they don't get married? I submit to you proof positive number one. And there's more. I'll show you in a minute. It's not weird that they chose to do that. Paul said it. I wish men were like me. Which he didn't have this problem. Apparently Paul had a lot of self-control. He wasn't tempted by a person of the opposite sex. This didn't bother him. He was blessed in that way. I know a lot of men that aren't blessed that way. You know what I'm saying? I've known a few men that couldn't keep their pants on at home. And they would go run off and do other things with other women and they shouldn't do it. And oh, by the way, ladies, I've known a few women to do that too. That's the reality of the world we live in. Is it right? No. Does God condone it? Uh, no. But let me offer this to you. He doesn't condone lying either. And he doesn't condone stealing. And he doesn't condone any of the other things that you and I might call sin or wrongdoing or whatever. God doesn't like that any worse or dislike that any worse than he dislikes this. But we, because we like to be self-righteous. Let's just be honest. We like to be able to pick at things and we like to be able to nail things down. And we like to be able to look at something and say, you shouldn't have done that. And this topic is one of those things that we just love to nail somebody with. And that's all because we're people. It's not because God wanted it to be a more heinous crime or more heinous sin or more horrible thing to do. That's not it at all. It's because we're people. And we who are fallen, we kind of like having one up on somebody else. Sad state of affairs, but that's the reality of who we are sometimes. Paul wasn't quite finished. He said this, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say this, it's good for them, not to, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should marry. See, Paul has this whole thing going on. You can marry, you don't marry. You don't need to get married, you need to get married. It's okay to get married, it's okay not to get married. If you don't want to get married, don't get married. The bottom line is, though, he's telling us all of these things like this right here. To the married, I give this command. Not I, but the Lord. And then he says over here, to the rest, I say this, I, not the Lord. And he has a whole lot more. And I encourage you and I challenge you to go home and read 1 Corinthians 7. And when you can figure it all out, call me. We'll write a book and we'll make $57,000 trillion. Because nobody can figure that one out. 
I just can't. And you want to know why? Because you got a man named Paul. He was a good man. He was an apostle. Inspired by the Holy Spirit to do some things. And he wrote a book. Wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. And he did his best to try to figure all this stuff out. I'm not sure he figured it out. Do you remember what Paul said about himself on one occasion? He says, I'm a Pharisee of what? I'm a Pharisee of Pharisee. What were the Pharisees really good at? Does anybody remember what Pharisees were really, really good at that we beat them down about? Self-righteousness. And picking things to pieces and making mountains out of molehills. Out of molehills. And they were really, really good about binding stuff on people that they weren't even willing to do themselves. You remember that about them? Remember the seven woes that Jesus pronounced upon those people we call Pharisees? I know Paul's inspired. I know he wrote some great stuff. But this one, I'm just wondering. I think he's trying to figure it out like a Pharisee. Because it's really, really funny because he goes on and says, what I mean is this, the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as they have none. Those who mourn as if they didn't. Those who are happy as if they are not. Those who buy something as if they weren't theirs to keep. Those who use things in the world as if it isn't. And gross to them for this world in its present form is passing away. How'd that work out for you? I want you to think about this with me just a minute. Paul is encouraging people in the first century to conduct themselves in a certain way with relationship to marital matters because in his mind, the world is changing in its present form quickly and it's passing away. How long ago did he write this? You get where I'm coming from? And I'm not meaning to undermine Paul. Don't take this the wrong way. I just want you to realize that he wrote this for a particular group of people under a certain set of circumstances because he felt in his own heart, look, there's some bad stuff coming quick. And guess what? Some stuff did happen to the Jews in Jerusalem. Remember that city got burned down. Remember that? It's a lot of challenges there. Jesus even addressed that. Time is short, he said. The world's passing away. If I knew that the world was going to be changed in the next five years... And the world was going to end in the next five years and Jesus was coming back and the world was going to be burned up and we're all going to go to heaven? I might have a different message for you. As a matter of fact, the message I would have is that we should live differently and we should live a different kind of life because in five years it's all ending, baby, and it's all going to be over and we're going to be going to heaven and we better make sure we're living right. And that message can be eternal until Jesus does come back. So what does Jesus say about being married? Let's just look. I like the red letters. That's why I put them in red. Haven't you read, Jesus says, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. So they're no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. Any of you ever heard that in a wedding ceremony? I've said that in wedding ceremonies. Maybe you heard that at your wedding ceremony, right? We've all heard some of that, something similar to that, right? <clears throat> and then those who Jesus is speaking to, they ask him this question. 
Well, help us understand why then did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Well, Moses permitted it, Jesus replies, so you could divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it wasn't that way from the beginning. I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. How many ever wanted to do that? Nobody wants to do this stuff. Nobody wants to commit adultery. Nobody wants to commit fornication. It's not on our radar screen. Hey, you know what? I think tomorrow afternoon I'm going to do that. We don't plan those kind of activities. Sometimes they happen. Jesus isn't finished. The disciples, after Jesus told them that about becoming an adulterer, they said, well, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry. Sounds like Paul had infiltrated their ranks, doesn't it? Well, why in the world would they say that? Why would those men who were listening to Jesus say, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry? Because they had a little bit different perspective and a different ex expectation and even understanding of how they interpreted what is marital unfaithfulness and what is not marital unfaithfulness. If you go back and really study it, there were some Jewish men, some Pharisees, some folks that really, really got into this stuff and studied it. I'm just telling you straight up, if you were not a Jewish woman, you could just about do anything you wanted to them because it's almost like slavery. It's a different world, a different understanding. Different perspectives. So Jesus says this to them. Not everyone can accept this word. But only those to whom it was, has been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men. And others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Man. Even Jesus lays that out there. If you can accept this, accept it. So what do we do with all this stuff? I'll tell you what we have done historically. Historically, if there's ever any kind of marital problem that ends in divorce, we just blackball people. And we put a big red A right here on the chest. And we don't make them wear it, but in our minds, we think that's what they've done. And we hold it against them forever. I don't want to offend anybody, but guys, I'm just telling you straight up, that's what we've done in the church. And it breaks my heart. Because you know what? When Jesus was met in that little place where this woman is brought to him, is committed adultery, and she was literally caught in the act. He didn't put an A on her. Now he told her, said, go home, don't sin anymore. And do and you remember the woman at the well? She got seven or eight men she's been with. You remember that story? And Jesus says, oh, the dude you're with. He didn't say that, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> the guy you're with, he's not even your husband. And what did she do? She went back into town. Hey, come see this man. He's told me everything I've ever done. He must be the Messiah. And we don't know much about whatever happened after that. See, Jesus had an amazing way to see past and through and beyond any sin that we would ever commit. And you want to know why? Because those that he touched 
who heard his message and came to accept him as their Lord decided they didn't want to live that way anymore. And they stopped doing that stuff. He didn't make them go back and change everything they'd ever done. He didn't tell that woman to go back to her first husband. Don't you know in the law it says that you're supposed to go back to your first husband if you've been divorced and married, remarried 17 times, go back to the first dude, he's the guy. He didn't say that, but it's in the law. It's in the law. So what do we do? In a world that's filled with all kinds of issues and all kinds of isms and all kinds of interpretations that can get us in all kinds of trouble because the reality is we're trying to be like a bunch of good Pharisees and figure it all out and put you in a hole. See, I don't believe God likes us sinning. But I'm not in the business of picking out which sin I'm going to way more heavenly than another. What I want to do is think about the good things and the true things and the noble things and the pure things, the things that are of God. There's a young couple back here who've been married 67 years in just a few weeks. And if we really had time to bring them up here on stage and interview them, I'm guessing that more than once in their life together, they've overlooked some of the roughness around the edges. And they've overlooked and have worked through some of the challenges in their marriage. And they've been blessed with all of those years And then I know there are others in this room who weren't able to keep it together. But I know this, God still loves you. And more than anything else, he wants all of us to think on those things. See, it's not It's not our place to make people perfect. It's only our place to love people and let the blood of Jesus make us perfect in the sight of God. Amen? That's our job. So, you want to be married? If you're not married, let's work that out. Let's find the right person. I'm still a big fan of men marrying women and women marrying men. I'm not a big fan of the alternatives in the world. That just, that's not a part of my DNA yet. Just saying, though, but if you're not, let's work it out. If you've been married, man, let's work on keeping it together. Think on the good things. You come home from work and say, I'm guilty of this. I'm just going to be very transparent for a minute or two. I treat everybody in the world really, really nice. And then for some reason, when I close the gate on the dock and walk onto the boat, I can treat that gal right there like a, like, Terrible stuff sometimes. I say dumb stuff to her because I think I can let my guard down. Any of you guys guilty of that besides me? At least two of you. Thank you for being honest. The rest of y'all come forward at the invitation song. We'll pray for you. We'll hope that God will forgive you. Guys, I'm just telling We do that. We go home and we kick the dog, except it ain't the dog, it's our wife. 
Don't. Stop it. Stop it. Respect them. Love them. Think on the good things. Yes, there's garbage that happens in life. There's garbage that happens in marriage. Think on the good stuff. Bring it out. Focus on it. And let God, who's the God of peace, fill your hearts and minds with amazing things. And I know, I know that there are people in this church who are struggling or who have struggled. Living with somebody else. You're not married anymore. You were married. Or maybe you wish you weren't. I know that. And I just want you to know that we're here to walk through whatever you got to walk through. And some of it's going to be messy. And it's not going to be pleasant. And it's not going to be fun. But I know that Jesus knelt down and he rode in the dirt. And when he stood up, there were none left to accuse her. My prayer for us all that we can walk in the love and the spirit and the grace of God with one another, with each family, with each person that's here. And for those who are outside of the community of this building right now, let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of them out there whose lives are all messed up. And the only thing, the only thing that could potentially and ultimately bring them true peace is to know Jesus. Let's share that message with the world. We're going to sing a song of invitation. Brandon is going to come and lead us in a song. And as he leads us in this song, I invite you to, number one, commit yourself to the marriage in which you find yourself. And another verse of Scripture that I didn't read to you, Paul said, whatever, whatever circumstance you're in, stay in it. So work it out. If you can't, let's talk. But I'm just saying, that's what Paul would like us to do. That's what Jesus loves us to do. If we can help in any way, let us know. But most importantly, commit yourself to that one that you're standing by and that you love with all your heart. Secondly, commit yourself to this church. Paul writes, he said, hey, look, you know what? If you're not married anymore, commit yourself to Jesus in the church because that can be your bride. The church is the bride of Christ in a symbolic way. Commit yourself to this church. If you don't have somebody at home to nag you, God bless you. <laughs> Lynn never nags me, though. I have to repent. Sometimes she does nag me. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, guys, let this church be your family. If you don't have somebody at home, let this church be your family. Let this church be your bride or your spouse or whatever you want to call it. And come and work with us. There's a hundred things we could be doing with your help. We'd love to have you be a part of this family. Let's sing this song and encourage one another. Please stand as we sing. From the end of the earth.